the like ironic thing about all of this is like to be contrarian, to have your ideas gain value over time, they have to be underappreciated when they are launched, right? This idea of the significance of an idea gaining importance over time versus losing it. And that I think it, those are the two ends of the spectrum are this joke is funny today because this happened, but over time it just dissipates versus here's this observation I have that if I'm right, the next 10 years will prove it to be true. Right? And there's countless numbers of incredible writers and creators that operate from that perspective where you're take making an observation that nobody else has made or very few people have made and articulating it in a new way which can lead you to some of that initial engagement, but things of value, like these ephemeral observations that are valuable, that increase in value over time, like you know, like, like a Paul Graham essay or something like that, right? Where at time it's, at the time you read it, you're like, oh, it's great. And then you read it 10 years later, and you're like, oh man, this guy really knew what he was talking about because it's like all of these things have been confirmed. All right, welcome to another episode of Night Investment Advice. We've got Jack Butcher, Trunk fan, Bilal Zaidi here. What's going on, lads? Lots to talk about today. We're going to be talking about Neuralink, what's been going on there. Uh, lots and lots of discussion to be had today. What's going on with you, boys? Wait, wait, but Neuralink, what else? What else do we have on the potential we docket? Got, uh, well, you you did an amazing write-up about this. This title was Beware of Value Capture or be, Beware Value Capture, all about kind of how uh, tech apps influence us through different metrics and how we shouldn't be following them blindly. So we're going to be talking about that, a good little discussion there. Uh, and we'll touch on Apple's App Store updates in the EU. Uh, is it basically, is there any point making stuff for the EU anymore is the, is the question there. And then if we get time, we'll talk about Netflix and WWE partnership and a little and Super Bowl. A crazy Swift Jack conspiracy. Butcher. Here we go. You know, we have to do it now because Jack Butcher, <laughs> a tinfoil hat corner, is what yeah. I, I, I think. We secret. need that every week. There yeah, needs to be people, there every week. people love it because remember how we all started. This is all edge of the internet, but Jack is the person at the edge. It's not me and Bilal. We're watching Jack at the edge. And uh, there are people teasing. We got a Taylor Swift conspiracy theory. But I got a meme of the week for you guys. Go so obviously, it. a running joke on this podcast in the last couple of weeks has been uh, C4 and the pre-workout supplement. Uh, I was listening to David Goggins, the ex-Navy SEAL turned, I don't even know, ultra marathoner, uh, legend. Uh, he was on Huberman's Absolute podcast. legend, yeah. I, yeah, I, saw, I started it. I didn't finish the app. But, um, it is did you, the did most- Did you listen to the whole one? I listen. It's the most intense podcast I've ever listened to in my life. Have you listened to a lot of his podcasts before? Yeah. Or? Well, that's the thing. He doesn't do a lot. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, so yeah, let, yeah. let me play this clip. So I'm going to tell you the, what the clip is about. The clip for the listeners, you're going to hear it anyways. Uh, but David Goggins is about to tell Andrew Huberman what his favorite pre-workout supplement is. <laughs> we all we all know on this show the favorite is C4. So what is David Goggins' favorite pre-workout? Tee it up. Here we go whole medicine cabinet but there's no medicine in the motherfuckers there's no pre-workout i don't take none of that shit all i gotta do is flip my brain put my finger in okay, there okay that's a good one that's all i gotta do man i got the rolodex of just like go fuck yourself goggins and oh, you want. let's do that one again Bro, there's nothing oh, c4 needs to hire him man because imagine him with this and c4 I want you to think about how great of an answer that is. He says 
He doesn't need pre-workout. All he does is goes into the Rolodex of all the times he's tortured himself. And he'd be like, oh, today feels like that one. That and then day, he literally yeah. says. I broke every, every toe yeah. in my feet when I for ran people, in 48 hours. No, for people that don't know about Goggins. Like, Legend. first of all, educate yourself. But exactly like Bilal said, this guy's done like 200 mile marathons where he's broken his leg and like finished the last two miles because not he's medical ab- advice because yeah, that no. is not something anyone should be doing <laughs> in fact he's insane guy man no but so we talked about blah blah i know you started the reason i said it's the most intense podcast ever is because he basically yells at Huberman the entire time yeah yeah, yeah. it's just quite like, a funny interaction between the two yeah. right because the goggins being goggins and then you got huberman being like you know, but get like, the, daylight the reason in eyes. Goggins gave Huberman love is because Huberman seven years ago blurbed his book for him, and mm-hmm. he's like, he even says in the podcast, he's like, I don't do podcasts. It's like I'm not a motivational speaker. Is what he's saying. It's like, it's like if you need me to motivate yourself, like you're, you're basically saying you're a loser and you're done for. He's like, he, let me. Just I don't understand. know about that. I feel like he, I know he's saying that no, he makes a lot of money but, from. But his whole thing, he, but no, he does, right? He does like, a lot of expensive like that, things, though. but it's like, his whole thing is like, but when he does his motivational speaks, uh, speeches, he's yelling at people being like, yo, stop using me as a fucking example. Okay, hold on a second. Why don't we do this? Jack, we haven't got, wait, Jack, we need your rant on Goggins. I know that you have thoughts on Goggins. Yeah, Jack, have you watched much of Goggins stuff? I don't know that much of his stuff, but he's like, he is obviously master of attention, catchphrases. Oh my god! You can't. Yeah, yeah. He's he's incredible. Stay he, hard, right? Stay, stay hard, hard. Exactly. The, the, the running videos. The running videos. The running videos. Oh, with his insane. top off, just sweating. That's my a great. Favorite, I'll, a great I'll be honest. I've listened to a lot of Goggins because, like, I find it just mad entertaining, mostly. But also, I've said this before. In the gym, I have a playlist, and it is <laughs> random music. With Goggins on top of it, I'm not even joking. I know that's ridiculous, but it's nice. Like, I it gets me in a certain state, and it's not even about motivation. It's just like it's become kind of ritual. Did you make this playlist? No, 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 no. It's some. If you just type in like Goggins music or something on YouTube, I'm it's doing, just like dude. A I'm 100. I'll send you my this. one. It's so Please good. Do. It's because this guy, you hear him, you just want to run through. You don't actually need C4. You just need Goggins on like the back of motivational uh, uh, instrumentals because yeah. you just want to run through a wall. You just want to you push yourself. No, yeah. I, I, I can't remember who said this recently on a pod, but they were saying something like, um, you don't really want to be like Goggins. You just want to be in once a day for an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when you go to work out or you're going for a run or whatever. You're like, let me just push myself. And honestly, last year when I was going hard at the gym, for the, like trying to get that habit going, and we're going to talk about this today about in the value capture section about motiv- incentives, motivating, stuff like that. That was my way of like getting in a certain state. And it was it was almost like meditative for me. But yeah, and there's I know all the lines because it's basically the interviews playing over and over again. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous that I listen to it. But I just accepted that it's an insane thing. You, that I you know what my favorite is? Is uh, who's going to carry the boats? Oh, yeah. Oh my Are God. people from, can you explain to the listeners the, what who's going to carry the boats means? I it's, think it's, it's related hysterical. to like when he was a Navy SEAL in the training. Um, there was a, something about he was going home after like a long day of buds or whatever it's called, you know, like where people are doing those crazy physical things all day. And then the guy he walked past was like, Oh, where are you going? He's like, Oh, I'm going to the gym or something. He's like, what you've been doing this all day. 
And he said something along the lines of, well, who's going to carry the boats and the logs? And he's, anyway, this is this well, podcast no, has no. taken a little. No, 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 I think people will enjoy this because uh, you, you, you teed it up and you missed the best part. Jack's like, what the hell are these two doing? <laughs> Carrying the boats during Buds is, is if you ever well, watch uh, thing, on Discovery, yeah, yeah. if you watch the Hell Week on Discovery, YouTube Hell Week. It's the two parts that people in Navy SEAL training hate the most. Obviously, I've done zero of this, but I've watched it many times on TV. Yeah, is yeah, one yeah. is carrying logs over their heads and the boats. They're literally carrying the boats. Imagine carrying something over your head, like a 200 pounds or the equivalent of that weight that you have to carry as your team. That's going to break most people, right? Because they're just doing it for miles. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and then the other one is when they lock arms and they just sit in the sand. And you just get freezing cold water coming over you. In That's and out, mad. in and out, right? Anyways, those are the two things. The last That's thing I'm going to say, because we should move on, but is, you know, we I, I said earlier about how he makes a lot of money from his book and everything, yeah. which I'm obviously all for. Uh, what's amazing, though, is that now, do you know what he's doing now? You know those people in forest fires? He's actually in Canada. He's like training. Yeah. So, you know, when there's forest fires, people parachute in and f- do firefighting, basically. That's what he's doing now. Isn't that the most insane thing? Like this guy's got tens, he's probably got 10 million plus, probably more, 20 million plus. He can do anything he wants. And this is what he's I'm sorry that we're wow. stretching this segment, but I'm jumping on what Bilal just said because he talks <laughs> about it on Hebrew and Spot. Jack's like, what is going on right now? But <laughs> let me just finish with this thought. I'll tell you why what Bilal said is actually, he literally says that to Huberman. He goes, I'm a 49 year old millionaire. You think I need to do any of this? And uh, he talks about what you just mentioned, the fire jumping. And the other thing he does, he's becoming a full on paramedic. Like you might get a heart attack wherever Goggins lives and he's just going to show up. He's going to turn up in the ambulance. Imagine Goggins (laughs) trying to bring somebody back to life. Oh my God. What are you today? Anyways, man, we're done here. All right. Anyway, I think we need to make sure this add in the title, uh, Goggins Love Fest. But anyway, let's talk about talking about controlling the mind. Let's talk about Neuralink. You like that I did there. All right. So Elon Musk, Elon Musk posted a, a tweet. Um, let's break this down for people who, someone who's never heard of Neuralink. I'm sure people listening to this have probably heard of it. Um, there's a discussion to be had about the pros and cons of this. Is this going to happen? But he basically posted, said, uh, the first Neuralink product is called Telepathy. Um, enables control of your phone or computer and through them almost by any device just by thinking. Initial users will be those who have lost the use of their limbs. Imagine if Stephen Hawking could communicate faster than the speed, uh, than a speed typist or auctioneer. This is the goal, or that is the goal. So anyway, let's let's break down this down because let's be honest. He knows what he's doing. The fact he brought in Stephen Hawking, yeah. Well, you guys reckon he knows what he's doing there, obviously. If people, well, I mean, I think what makes that difficult, I, whether or not for people who don't know, there's a big controversy over Stephen Hawking's two, three weeks ago. He We've was, seen the memes. The, yeah, the memes found, are incredible. Shout out to Alex Cohen, uh, who did a thread of the best Stephen Hawking memes that people don't know. There's information about him in some of these Epstein files. So uh, Jeffrey Epstein got very close to a lot of very successful scientists, and he used to dangle young girls, frankly, uh, on his Epstein Island. We don't know the veracity of this. It was in a lawsuit. But what basically came out was that Stephen Hawking was in this island and he may or may not have been a freaky dude. And I've heard separately that he was kind of into swinging. I don't know how that happened, but that was his whole shtick. So anyways, whether let's, or not let's Elon- Let's break down as well real quick. Sorry, we didn't actually say what Neuralink is. Trunk, do you, do you want to just give yeah, a quick yeah. little primer on what so, it is? 
Okay, well, before I do that, uh, I want to ask Jack because we've been cooking so hard that we need Jack's input here. Jack, what was your reaction in your link? How close have you been following it? What are your thoughts on it? Not that closely, but I just I texted you boys last night. What crazy time to be alive, boys. And yeah. that's actually come to fruition as obviously uh, many of the Musk promises are met with uh, timeline doubt. This feels to me like... I don't know what it was initially when this was was slated to happen initially, but feels pretty swift. Like from their from their original announcements that they're working on this stuff to now, doesn't feel like a long stretch of time to me. Yeah, a so few years, I guess. Just crazy, know. man. I just find it absolutely nuts that we're actually stuff like this is happening, and we just sort of go about our, you know, oh yeah, that's yeah. good. We'll we'll do that a lot. Talk about that on the pod, boys, for five minutes. It's just a crazy level of technical augmentation. Well, let's of the literally brain. say what what Jack is talking about here. Yeah. It's like it's a it's a quarter size shape chip that they've developed in house, and the whole point is it's wireless. It, it it is a surgical procedure. It gets put into someone's brain, and I know this sounds insane, but yet remember the first use case of this are people that are paralyzed or have. Uh, neurological uh, uh, deficiencies or injuries where they literally can't do any, like Stephen Hawking's, right? The the whole point I was going to bring about Bilal was the Stephen Hawking example, even if I, because he did go uh, viral, uh, Stephen Hawking recently, who did pass away a couple of years ago, but Stephen Hawking is the canonical example of this individual, right? If you're thinking popular mindshare, somebody that's a paraplegic or somebody that has lost motor functions, it's Christopher Reeves, used to be Superman, uh, sadly, I had an accident. And Stephen Hawking, would you say those two are probably in popular imagination the most well-known mm -hmm. to have lost a lot of like yeah. uh, physical... Yeah. yeah, so the whole point of bringing up Stephen Hawking is the idea of we all know the joke with him and the computer, right? Him talking, like, uh, and the robotic voice comes like, I am Stephen Hawking. Like, and that that's him using an older version of what Elon's basically trying to make, right? Because this so is a brain-machine interface. Yeah. yeah, just that's the phrase Exactly, a BMI, brain-machine uh, brain interface. interface. sorry. Yeah, BCI, yeah, BCI. Yeah. Uh, and the whole point is, this. like, let's go 50,000 foot. I think this will help frame it for people. There's two things I want to bring up on the 50,000 foot level. One is about Elon's businesses and what he's trying to accomplish in, in all of his businesses. And the second thing is the media reaction we're going to see. We talk about the media reaction to Elon a lot. Elon bad, right? Uh, and obviously we're much more pro Elon on this podcast is not a surprise to anyone. Having said that, the Elon bad stuff on this, on Neuralink is very significant because there are monkeys being tested, right? Animals being tested. And then now that, that visual image is much easier to manipulate to make it look bad, right? Now let's talk about the, the missions that Elon's in trying to do. What is Tesla's mission? Is to bring us a sustainable energy economy, right? That's the overarching mission. What does he do to accomplish that? He starts with the most expensive vehicle, a high-end vehicle. Starts with a Roadster, right? $100,000, $150,000 car. And then he brings the price down eventually. What's the deal with SpaceX? SpaceX make, uh, has a big vision, multi-planetary multi species. species yeah. But then now he has to make it economically. So what is the economic component of SpaceX? It's Starlink. Right, so Starlink is the economic component, and what does Starlink do? It provides internet for the half, uh, three billion people in the world. That's a larger mission. That don't have internet or internet access in rural and areas that don't get it. So, what is the same thing for Neuralink? You need to send one so, to Trung, mate, in Canada. Yeah, you know? send one to me. <laughs> yeah. So the Neuralink mission is. 
the, the overarching mission, the equivalent of the multi-planetary species is for Elon in his eyes, because remember, he funded OpenAI to begin with. He is concerned about a machine intelligence overtaking mankind and potentially, you know, seeing that we are no longer relevant. We've talked about human intelligence here. So he's like, how do you counter that? Well, you create a brain computer interface. You meld humans with the computer. So the throughput of information, right now, the fastest way for any of us to get information is reading or listening to me on a podcast, whatever you guys like, right? No, just like, so the book is the fastest way to get information. But Elon's whole point is like, there's a way faster way. It's the chip. And uh, that's his point. That's the overarching mission. Okay. Is he, what is he is, saying that there's, there's, it's two way though? What do you, what do you mean two way? Information like read, goes in. Right, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's like. Ultimately, he's saying he wants to melt, like, if to beat for humans to ultimately not get consumed by artificial intelligence or AGI, they're going to have to merge with it. That's the so, idea, right? Trunk, can I give <laughs> another example? Trunk, I think this example, I think this was maybe years ago when he was on either Joe Rogan or one of these other podcasts. And because I think a lot of people, let's take a step back, a lot of people who aren't in technology or like so haven't heard of this idea. Like, let's say I tell my mom, mom, they're going to put a chip in your brain, right? So in fact, this is a great time to do a little bonus meme of the week. I'm just going to quickly share <laughs> my screen here uh, real quick for people who are listening. In a nutshell, this says, Bill Gates, let's make more ma vaccines. The response <laughs> is no, you'll put microchips on our bodies and track us. Elon Musk says, I'll literally put a microchip in your brain and people say, LMAO, nice, yeah? So that that is just a kind of a nice little summary of where we are just in general in the consensus of what's going on. But if you say to my mom or my dad or like a random person who doesn't know anything about this, they're going to put a chip in your brain. People are like, what? wait a minute, I'm already trying to get off my phone, right? I'm trying to not be with one with technology, whatever. So that is the general reaction from a lot of people, which I'll be honest, I have the same reaction just as a normal person, right? Like, but one of the things, um, he, he gave an example, which I thought was really good. He said, we are essentially already mixed with computers and machines already. Just like pick, pulling out your phone and it's an attachment. It's basically attached to your body at all times, pretty much for most people. And it's on your, in your hand, you're reading, you're listening. You've got AirPod that's going directly into your ear, you know, that you could argue, what is the the threshold for it actually coming together. Someone might say being on top of your skin versus inside your skin or inside your brain obviously is a big step. But I'll, we're going to get to this later. But like I use a Fitbit, I use an Aura Ring. I even use a CGM, right? Continuous glucose monitor in the past. A CGM actually goes into your skin. It's like a tiny little needle. It has whatever, to right? poke the blood, right? Dude, exactly. this, I love that you brought so this that's up. That's quite an interesting example. I love that you like brought this up. A Fitbit is something you wear on you and it's, it's, it knows how many steps you took. This one actually understood how much blood uh, glucose was in your blood. So this is kind of the, what he basically said was your, the time it takes you to read on your phone or listen on your phone, he's just trying to take that and compress exactly. it down. The time should be instant. Speed basically. the information. And I, I love the thing that you brought up is the gut reaction, like you said about your mom, even if I told my parents about a chip in the brain, but here's the thing, people have pacemakers. My dad has something in his heart, right? Mm, like you're yeah. telling me that if you told somebody 50 years ago, hey, we're going to have like open heart surgeries and we'll put stents in there and like pacemakers, people be like, what? It's like, how normal is it now? 
Yeah. So I want people to think about that. So uh, let me finish that thought with the business. What is the business, right? It's like Elon's overarching thing was to do the, what Bilal said. I love that Bilal added all that context. Perceive uh, the brain-computer interface. That's the equivalent of the multi-planetary species mission for SpaceX. So what is the practical everyday usage? And it's like from Walt Isaacson's book, the first thing is to cure Alzheimer or to deal with Alzheimer's. People have Alzheimer's, they forget, uh, they lose a lot of uh, uh, intellectual function. This is going to treat that. That's such a practical thing, right? That's as practical as Starlink is to providing internet. So think about the overarching mission, which attracts the best talent in the world. And then think about the steps to actually just building a business to make it sustainable, right? Even yeah. if the BCI never happens, we're talking about helping people that are paralyzed potentially walk, move their arm, use their arms again. Yeah. Alzheimer's, which the pharma industry has spent tens of billions of dollars on, maybe hundreds, trying to find a solution for. This could be a potential solution there. I mean, this, so Neuralink, that's the overarching mission. We can get a bit more into it, but uh, anyways, I think we pass it on to Jack on the yeah, brain. Jack, any other thoughts on that? I love mate, Jack's for... thoughts on the BCI. I don't. I need to do more reading on it, but it is. Uh, yeah, it's definite ridiculous step function in like culture. You, feel, I, I also just am curious about how the filter between what you think and say is very different than what if anybody had a direct feed to your thoughts, mm. how that would differ from what you would say. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that to me feels like the biggest cultural shift that could occur is like, yeah, there's like, how does that change the fundamental like social interactions that have been built up around your ability to separate your thoughts and your words? And saying what you think is the right thing to say versus what's going on in your head. Obviously, right. if that was a, a raw, a firehouse of thoughts, everyone's yeah. done, right? Like you're yeah, cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> no one's gonna trust this. you. If but you maybe that's the, the maybe that's the, the maybe that's the Elon thesis: the total transparency of take everyone inner, inner yeah. monologues. <laughs> well, we've joked about it, right? We've talked about how if our group chats were, I mean, not our, if tomorrow. <laughs> Owls Every too. single yeah. person's group chats were released. I don't care who you are. You're canceled. You're of done. Course. Well, if it all happens at once, it's, it's going to be a scale, isn't it? Yes. You're probably going to be yeah. all right. Yeah, if you're yeah, the only yeah. one, you're in trouble. But like, It's going to be a scale, isn't it? He goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Well, it will um, be. I mean, that, yeah, this, I don't know. I don't, maybe that is... Uh, uh, yeah, I really am fascinated by it, and it just feels like out of the realm of my comprehension to even comment on the second and third order effects yeah. of that. When it's like the the first iteration of it, as far as I understood, was like help you type and like perform functions that would still be going through that. It's still a motor, it's translation of motor skills as opposed to a transmission of thought right which yeah. is a massively different um level of t of technical complexity i would imagine where like being able to point your eyes at the letters in order of a keyboard is very different than like your brain waves being translated into words so i don't know yeah. to what where it lies on that spectrum 
But I think the objective is to get it all the way to not that, right? It's just like you think and it's done. Yeah. Well, Jack, I think the example you gave there is a good one of just like not having to process typing or think you just it just kind of happens. But I think a lot of the early use cases are medical related, like Trung mentioned, right? Like someone who's paralyzed. And I'm just going to read a couple kind of facts to add to the discussion as well of like how it works. There's 64 flexible threads thinner than the human hair, right? So that is that is how they're using it, apparently. Um, and, it, and a robot is the one being used to surgically place those threads uh, in you, essentially. Um, and that part of the brain controls movement intention. So that's kind of specifically what they're testing at the moment. And it's the first time they, Neuralink, have put this in an actual human. It should also be mentioned that there are other, obviously other companies in the world doing this already. Uh, there's one called EPFL, Ecole Polytechnique Federal in Lausanne, which is in Switzerland. Um, and they actually are one of the few other companies that have already done this, actually. So they they actually helped implant something with a paralyzed man. Um, and they successfully already did this and helped a paralyzed man walk. And the way they did that, again, just to bring that back, is like the there's something in the brain. There's an implant that also talks to the spine and the legs and feet. So obviously, like if that was Elon Musk and he blew up, that would be incredible news, right? Like I hadn't even heard about that until today. So that is kind of the potential of all this stuff. Like people who are actually having these problems, you're assisting them. The same way if you you lose your leg, like you put a, a fake leg there, right? And you, and you have some way of being able to speak to that leg. Maybe the top part of your leg still works or whatever. Um, so yeah, that, that I just wanted to mention that because I thought it was quite interesting. No, that's a great addition. It's just to show that two points, right? It's like one is like, they're not the only one working on this problem. Yeah. This is because a lot of people will be critical if there wasn't an existing industry, we will talk, let's talk about the media angle of it, right? If you have seen about it, there's like, a, so they work with, uh, uh, some monkeys are well known uh, uh, to be used in these ty this type of research. And it sounds like Neuralink, uh, the way Elon said it, uh, so I know some people will question that, uh, but I read an article from Bloomberg, from Ashley Vance, who wrote the book about Elon. He went to these Neuralink facilities. I mean, the TLDR is this, is like, Elon was saying that no other animal facility is like better for these animals, right? It's like these animals that they do have, if you take all things equal anywhere else, they're going to be less well-treated. And uh, they usually work with uh, uh, a lot of animals that are, have terminal diseases as is. So they're already headed towards the end. And the other part that uh, you'll see with uh, a lot of... So the criticism is primarily the shock factor, right? It's like, oh... We went to this Neuralink factory or the, the labs and this this monkey was bleeding. That's the type of stuff I'm seeing the mainstream coverage of. Instead of like, hey, listen, uh, like the Blau talking about the story with the Swiss company. is like, oh, look, we're talking somebody that was paralyzed is now able to move their limbs again because they're able to communicate these signals from their brain to the different body parts. And uh, I think that's that was the media angle that I saw. And the best way I could compare it was... When space, when Starship blew up, uh, you remember the first one when the Starship base, uh, the first Starship launch, and the news, the big news piece was, uh, fish wildlife have been greatly affected by the Starship launch, and it's just like that. The, I get it. We have wildlife regulations for reasons, but again, there's a larger mission at play here, and in the history of mankind, when we're trying to make certain advances technologically. Uh, 
yes, you're trying to minimize the negative effects, but this is just part of the course. And to Bilal's point, this is not just Neuralink. This is an entire industry that Neuralink has brought light upon. And uh, a lot of people are working on this problem. Yeah. I, uh, I'm trying. I've, sorry, go on, Jack. Go on. No, finish that because this is mine's a lot off. All right. I'll just say one thing. I also think it's important because we're going to talk about this in the second section. But um, I think the, the kind of sad thing is because Elon has become this kind of like love-hate sort of person, you're either like really love him, everything he's doing, or you're anti him and he's an evil tech billionaire who's trying to control the world. And the nuance obviously is probably in between, right? Like he's not perfect. There are a lot of bad things that could come from this. Like I think that's also important to acknowledge. Like just we all have been talking for the last three years about like your ledger wallet or your crypto wallet getting hacked and you're losing all your dumb NFTs, right? Like obviously there's going to be a lot of higher implications or um, bigger implications of if there's actually chips in lots of people's brains and if let's say that's in connected to the internet, like what does that mean? The implications of hacking and stuff like that. Like there's a lots of things that could go wrong, but like you said, it's always the case with anything that's new like this. So, um, and the problem is the way things are discussed nowadays, they're just the headline, right? Like most people didn't even read the two minute write up uh, you know, where BBC or whoever wrote about it, they just literally read the headline and they decided, oh, that Elon guy, don't like him. He's trying to control us like people thought about Bill Gates or the flip side, oh my God, Elon's a genius. He's done it again. And it's just like, the truth is, is a little bit in, in the middle here. So yeah, that was the only thing I wanted to add. What, what did you have, Jack? I was going to say, uh, there's maybe some parallels to like the AGI thing here. You know, like the debate about what AGI is and when it crosses some threshold from a translation of motor skills to control a screen to a like transmission, reading and writing of information to and from a brain. Like those things are probably further apart technically than we infer from looking at the device itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas like yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not you're not like one firmware upgrade away from being telepathic in terms of transmitting I think tr you are transmitting thought but you're you're it's not language that is moving from one place to another it's like go left go right press that button do which again I am not qualified whatsoever to comment on how nuanced it gets beyond that but it reminds me of that debate, you know, of this is primarily a medical device and to what extent it remains, like to what amount of time it remains in that category is completely unknown at this point in time. Yeah. Well, to us at least, maybe they have yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a better idea. Well, well, Jack, the other example I think I always thought about was uh, language. And I don't know if this is even going to be possible with something like this, but, you know, someone's listened to this, spent 10 years on Duolingo hitting beginner level Spanish or whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I've just been saying, like, I'm just waiting for the Neuralink kind of as yeah. a joke because I don't know if I would even... No, but literally, flip it on. I know it comes through. Imagine that. It's like, oh, let me just download yeah. like the way Google Translate. Like, have you ever traveled where you download it offline and you've got the translate? You can even do voice on there and it says you'll speak in English and then conversation mode does it in Spanish and vice versa. And now, like, imagine that was actually just a, a download away. I don't even know if that's something... Yeah, I mean, can you possible. imagine the... 
you imagine the like disparity in outcomes if that became available to like even a hundred people is is insane. Yeah, it's like superpowers, right? And like all and the, all the, the yeah, yeah. imagine chat GPT in the brain or yeah. like the information, you know, like all the things that you could not only is it just like the world's information, which we've been I think when we first heard about Neuralink, I was thinking of the lens of just the internet in your brain or like the ability to Google search essentially. Mm -hmm. But now since then there's now chat GPT and all this stuff where you're like, wow, I didn't even realize I could summarize stuff. I could generate ideas, et cetera, et cetera. So that is kind of wild to think like the, the, uh, the chat GPT version of Neuralink or something like that. That is wild. Unreal. Um, Trung, any other thoughts on that before we talk about your value capture stuff? Well, let me just uh, add a little fun fact. I don't know if you guys saw this, but, uh, this is uh, the, what the Neuralink logo is. So if people don't know, every single Elon thing has a hidden message in the logo. So the SpaceX logo, the X on the SpaceX, if you look at it, the uh, the X is the trajectory of a Falcon 9 rocket. And then uh, the Neuralink, Jack will appreciate this. The Neuralink logo resembles the waveform of a neuron when it fires. So uh, uh, if you Google action nice. potential graph, that's a little bit of chemistry for you. But uh, the way the uh, the neuron fires, that's how you get the up and down on the Neuralink. And uh, it'll, it'll always look an N, which would be the first letter. Always nice a hidden jokes. message, people. I like that. So fun fact, fun in the building. Yeah. Beautiful. But yeah, curious to hear what oh. people think of that. Would you actually, also, I guess a question, would you guys sign up to this in the future? Do you, how do you feel about that? If you had a chance to try it? Obviously not today. I would, one need, many, I would need many years of, uh, yeah. of data of, yeah. uh, of safety but i think again it as you'd soon be destroyed as, by then trunk yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 the normies are done consumed, yeah as soon as i wait it's over right you wait until sixty nine thousand bucks to buy bitcoin <laughs> yeah there we go Fiat hey, by the way uh, model y model y just became the best-selling car in the world boys that's wow wild. Yeah. didn't know that Four that years is, ago, is that number of units or is that revenue? Yeah. Do you know? No, number of units. Number of units. One point two million cars, I think, last year. Wow, more than That's the uh, he he tweeted it. More than the uh, Rav Four and the second. More than the Rav Four and CRV combined. Crazy. Whoa, Bloody dude! Hell. I definitely in California. At... In California. Okay. <laughs> Jack's okay, adding okay, a lot, okay. right, a lot of color. Still impressive. Still <laughs> impressive. No, I'm saying, Red I'm saying, color I'm cars saying, only. no, no, no. no. I'm saying the the Rav Four and CRV stat is California, but the globally it is the best selling car in the world. Damn. Yeah, I didn't know right. that. All right, Dude, let's up. move on to um, the next section. That was a good discussion. Would I'm curious if people should uh, share what they think on Neuralink because it is actually one of the when we talk about edge of the internet stuff, this is like as edge as it gets. So really interesting to hear. Oh, I love how Jack's like And by like the Trump. way, great branding too. Like telepathy. Oh yeah. Oh right. Great name. Like as incredible. Well. That's the name of the product. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible branding. And like, I wonder if that's the hardware or that's the what you're referring to in the like the configuration of the software in the chip, because the telepathy it sounds like the name of the software. Neuralink is the hard is the hardware device right be interesting like also to see the like if you take the tesla software model update and put it into this where it's like you know 
upgrade the speed of your brain processing power for four grand a year. Like all of this oh, stuff is mad. like dystopian as hell. Man. Yeah, that's it's crazy, mad. It's it? insane. That's pretty mad. Jesus Christ. All right. Wait, I just wanted to finish the point that Jack made. Trung, if you wait, it's over, man. Like, as soon as yeah. you wait, Blau will know every There's single no language known to man. That's gonna yeah. get well, you to I would say it's either level. great. It's either, yeah, it's either you, it's a barbell outcome, right? Either you've you made actually the know right what's decision crazy? or... No, but Jack, you brought up such a great point. The prisoner's dilemma here of whether or not to get the chip, it's crazy. If you don't get the chip, you are no longer an economically needed in society. Yeah, there you go. Because somebody yeah. will Your just, newsletter yeah. is going <laughs> out of business, man. But then That's you hilarious. take it. You don't know. You don't know what the result will be. This is like it's a serious. No, you'll be like Trung's organic newsletter in the other like corner of the internet. <laughs> I mean, it is a no man. <laughs> Organic newsletter. The Amish, no, no brain the, chip. The Amish uh, level of distinction between you know Fiat current technology, only. yeah, current technology users, uh, and direct brain computer interface users. I think we're I think we're a little bit off there, boys. I think we're we got a little while. Might be jumping ahead there, yeah. You ship yeah, a few more time. podcasts yeah, I, I, I out think before this then. One is... We maybe get to episode two hundred before, <laughs> yeah, before we're worried goes about off extinction. the rails. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see, let's see. Things move quickly. All right. Talking of Trunks newsletter, here we go. That's the second transition I hit today, so I'm I'm feeling good. All Man, right. you were on Trung. a transition there we heater, go. dude. There we go. Yeah, this is a uh, key. All right. So Trung, you had a great write up. This is one of my favorite newsletters you've written for a while. Like you've got some bangers every week but this one i, I literally read twice uh one mainly because i was preparing you, for today but also uh when you sent it originally <laughs> um but yeah the the idea of this was called beware value capture right so the the kind of subtitle here was tech apps influence our behavior through metrics don't follow them blindly so there's a lot to go in here but why don't we break this down by talking about what you did because you were breaking down this you know academic paper which, you know, you, you joked about like, you know, you've got the PDFs on the laptop or back in the day when you're doing your dissertation, you've got JSTOR open. Anybody well, let me ask you guys, anymore? how many unread PDFs do you guys have on your computers? I don't download PDFs. <laughs> I just got a 1099 that I'm sending Rafa it's today. Like, that was the last one. It's uh, like Trump, I ain't I trying to get, Trump, that's why your computer is just full of malware. You're yeah, that, You're the that might that be something else, Trunk, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, so Trunk, what was this? Because yeah, you're all jokes aside, this was a really interesting idea. Uh, it was a paper from... Uh, C. C. Nguyen. Yeah. So, uh, is, well, is he a fellow is like, Vietnamese guy, I take it, right? Fellow way, way cooler Vietnamese guy than me. So I'll give you TLDR and C. T. Nguyen. Super interesting dude. So... A couple of people reached out to me on this paper, uh, and, uh, and CT Win actually uh, commented on Twitter. Uh, Sri Ram from uh, Andreessen Horowitz, uh, venture capitalist, great former product at every major social platform. He he kindly enough tweeted out uh, the article, and CT Win replied and said, "Oh, that was a, a very good write up. Uh, kind of captures what I was getting. Capture, we're talking about value capture. But the point that I wanted to bring up was uh, he's a philosophy." professor at the University of Utah, used to be a, a food writer for LA Times. And uh, that's an incredible, sorry, that real quick, that's yeah. an incredible career already, right? Food writer, philosopher, and yeah. We should link to one of his articles for the LA Times was uh, he ranked the best Asian breakfasts, which I want you to think about that. That's an incredible article, uh, a premise. But 
His primary uh, field of work is in games. So he looks how games and and game, uh, game design, structures, right? game design, game incentives. Uh, he looks at how that actually translates to the real world. And we've talked previously on one of his other papers. We didn't go super deep. It was about, he said how Twitter gamifies communication. And we'll get into that. But I want to talk specifically about value capture. So I'm going to give a couple, I'll give you three examples. And then I'm going to go to Bilal because I want to pass the baton off to Bilal before we get to Jack because Bilal talked about Fitbit. Bilal has gamified his health in a bit. So I love like his thoughts on this. So the three examples that CT Win brought up to talk about value capture is this. We're talking specifically about metrics. So I'm going to give you a tech example. The first one is Fitbit, right? Blah, what is the goal of Fitbit? Broadly, right? It's like, it counts how many steps you take. That's yeah, kind of it's like, mostly, yeah, that's mostly what yeah. people use it for, yeah. And you're using that step count as a proxy for your health, right? As in, if I can hit 10,000 steps a day, that's positive for my fitness. Yeah, I would say just to be specific though, I think we're going to come back to this later, yeah. but the word, I would challenge the phrase as a proxy for your health. I would say for me personally, it's a softer, just a gentle nudge to say, oh, you haven't okay. been as active today as you would want and you're made aware of it. I wouldn't say I'd translate that to my health is good because there's a lot of other parts to it. But I think we'll come but, to but that you're hitting, later. you're hitting on the point, yeah. right? It's like, I think you're to not... To a lot of people, they do though. They're like, is, oh, right? my it's number... Like, or the aura ring, right? They wake up and they got a bad sleep score and they're like, oh, my whole day is terrible because I didn't sleep well last night. Right. right. So there's a, yeah. So well, we'll get your, back to that balance. Your point though is the entire point is a metric by design is narrow because if yeah. it was broad, it could not measure things. That's yeah, it's very point. specific. Exactly. You have to make it specific, numeric and measurable, right? Which makes a lot of sense. This makes a ton of sense and we'll get into why large institutions and organizations require this tech platforms governments or uh, or any any large corporation it makes a lot of sense right you need a narrow number so the example he brought up with the step count was he had a friend that was on vacation uh and jack will know this from his broccoli measuring days but the couples were on vacations two couples and one couple was in a full fitbit uh counting mode and they're like, if we didn't hit our 10,000 steps, we're not going out to dinner. Let's let's just say that they're in like a Mexico resort. You're yeah, supposed yeah, to yeah. be on vacation. They're right? fasting. That's mad. <laughs> but this is an example of value capture. The value of being on vacation, which is being with your friends, creating new memories, has been overpowered by this, the value that Fitbit has imparted. Self-imposed thing though. Self-imposed. Yeah. But the thing is, it's self-imposed, but technology is so powerful. We talk about it all the time the incentives it creates, the addiction I have to seeing number go up, right? So let's just say that they've hit 10,000 steps for 100 days straight. They don't want to break that. They want to break and that streak. They don't want to break that streak. And that streak is self-imposed, but it's done through gamification. So that's one example. That's the technology example. A more real-world example he uses is law school rankings. So before law school rankings, most students, they would actually go through, like Bilal said, a holistic process of what mattered to them as a potential law legal student. The same way Bilal says that health is much more than just steps. Health is how do you feel? What's the sleep? Are you getting the right diet? And it's not just the 10,000 steps. But a law school ranking is the equivalent of 10,000 steps in the sense of what is the law school? What is the ranking? That, that's all that matters, right? So that influences the students, the school, and the parents. So the schools will now start doing things just to get a high law school ranking. So here's an example. 
some schools will push for uh, applications even though they know they'll tell people to apply and they'll still screw them because having a low acceptance rate gives you a higher ranking, for example, right? So you're manipulating your your values to hit these arbitrary numbers. So let me just ex- I tried to explain how a number can influence everything uh, your life and and, and I think everyone can think of examples of that in their own life, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, and let's give the last one. Everybody will get Twitter. I can do two things right now. I can make a think boy thread that I know will go viral because that stuff gets rewarded because in that instant, it's much easier to get clicked on versus something I think about for weeks to write about. And then I'll throw, I'll throw a long body of text on Twitter. To me, that long body of text, I put in way more thought. I think it'd be way more impactful. It just won't go viral, right? That's just not the medium for it. So what do I do? Trump goes for low-hanging fruit. It's just like, let me throw out a meme instead of doing something that's more impactful. So that's a form of value capture. You're playing the game that the platform has designed for you instead of doing what you actually want. So Blah, I'd love your health thoughts on this. And uh, yeah. if you can jump on the Fitbit example. Yeah, that was a great breakdown. I think... My yeah, I think the way you broke it down there with the examples is perfect because the other one I say that is probably relevant to people listening to this is you mentioned number go up, right? And we talk a lot about crypto, stock market, um, financial tracking, like all of these in their own way have become gamified. I mean, Robinhood is a great example of that. But did you watch Dumb Money as well? I know Jack just watched it. Trung, did you watch Dumb Money seen, yet? Yeah, is it good? It, it was fine. I, I thought it was pretty cool. We can talk about it another time, but. That was a great example of, you know, Robin Hood, that whole era of everyone's waking up, like what's happening today? Oh, the crypto stuff when we were in the crazy bull market, you're waking up and you're like, oh, now I need to chase that next 10x pump, right? Like these are all examples of not technology necessarily driven, but like market driven or, you know. No, but it's literally influencing your behavior, right? Like you're waking up and you're doing things to chase that metric. This is literally what it means. It's like, you're not even living your life. You are a slave to that metric. Exactly. And I think the way I've always thought about it is like you guys know, I'm a pretty numbers driven person, right? Like I like seeing numbers, whether it's work or personal life. I like to put hard numbers for stuff, but I have a pretty good relationship over time with numbers to say they are limited, right? They just help me see the world in its one from one perspective. But I'm very... um, careful not to overemphasize the numbers like it doesn't that my whole measure can't be from just how many likes did this get how many downloads did i get but was that a much, process though was that massive a, were process you ever, and, okay that's what it means and like, i still and even trapped. now I'll probably struggle okay. with it right like anyone else but i think the fitness example coming back to that fitbit is a great example when you're in a stage where like last year where i was really cutting my weight i was measuring the calories i eat that's one number metric putting in an app right and then you're i would weigh myself on fitbit scales which comes into my app then i've got the movement and i know roughly how many calories am i burning i would measure my workouts etc so at the end of the week i could see oh did i burn more calories than i ate and then and and over time that is a way i've i designed to encourage myself to do positive things for my body right which was and my health but i think the Negative side is where you're so overly emphasizing like, oh my God, today I can't, right? For example, this happens to a lot of people. I can't eat out with my friends today because I'm going to go over my calorie count number, 
Right, like that. That's probably happened to me like several years ago, not recently. That, that's literally value capture, right? The yeah, value of the, the, the number my is fitness overtaking pal, what exactly. you care about, about your friendships. Yeah. And now, and I think there's a balance there around like a certain type of personality. So like, I'm a pretty all or nothing person. So I find it hard to balance. So maybe there's self-imposed uh, boundaries I create for myself, which is healthier. But when it becomes this feeling of, oh, I'm not going to hit a number, that's where it's really like not healthy, right? And it creates bad relationship with your health and your food and all that sort of stuff. So, um, so yeah, now I, I gave the aura example of the sleep score. A lot of people really struggle with that. And I, I was actually talking about a couple of nights ago at dinner with my friend who tried the CGM, the continuous glucose monitor. And I told him, cause he, he'd listened on Creator Lab. I had the levels guys on the pod and that's where he first heard about it. And he was like, oh, I'm going to sign up for it. And he basically told me, Oh, I finally got it. I'm excited to test all this stuff out. And my, I basically gave him a big warning. I was like, look, I think it's helpful to use this. But whenever you put a number on food or something like that, you automatically are going to try to get a lower score or a better score or whatever. And you have to really put it in perspective. Like this is one input into your overall diet. You're not, he's, this dude has a six pack. Like he's literally very fit, <laughs> you know, like he, he's just trying to understand his health a bit better. So it still can be valuable. But I think for a lot of people, it just becomes this game where it takes over everything. And then you're, and then he came to dinner. He's like, oh, I can't eat that because of this. And I was like, all right, fair enough. That's up to you. But I, it's kind of the midwit meme, right? Like you need to go to the CGM boy in the middle to come back to the to the balance at the end. Be like, oh, I can eat dessert once in a while, but I, I should not have it every day, right? Sort of thing. So um, that's probably a long way of saying, I, I see this in many different parts of my life. Uh, and the health has been the one that's been most recent. Um, so I'll pause there because I was talking for a while. So is there any No, no, any but uh, what I want to say was that something uh, before I jump to Jack here, what I want to say about uh, what I loved about your piece was you actually have like kind of an aha moment when you're like, you're like, when you catch yourself being like, I'm not going to do this thing I like because of this number. You're like, oh, that's bad. Like that's a signal for you, right? Yeah. You're like, ooh. I got I to gotta step back a bit. So I think that's worthwhile to mention. So I want to go to Jack here because we joked in the past, Jack's gone through the broccoli measuring phase. So Jack knows what value capture feels like. So I want to ask Jack about that phase specifically, but also so Jack had said something to me about a year ago about how he stopped caring about how many Twitter followers he had. But I know for a fact that Jack, prior to you getting probably to six figures, you probably cared a bit, right? So, or maybe you didn't. But what I'm curious about is when did what numbers did you care about for Twitter, for growth online? And then when did you stop caring? And then you cared more about the quality of your work. If if that like jump ever made, because I feel like you did mention something about that in the past. Mm, I mean, one of the things that I would base everything off of back then was the you have like the vanity metric and the value metric would be how many people follow you on Twitter and like your posts versus how many people buy shit from you. Okay. So that was the thing that I, that I just started moving towards was like all of the stuff on the front end that does not uh, represent somebody making a economic commitment to you is not necessarily this doesn't have no value, but a way stronger signal is who's buying your stuff. So I think as soon as I got into that world where there was a way to measure that, that 
took the focus off because they were they were sometimes not correlated, right? So that at least yeah. in my head just, just dispelled the myth that those two numbers would go up in parallel because this is not true. So that took a lot of, uh, I don't know. It took, it, one of the ways I've I've changed my thinking on that too is every additional thing you're putting out is a filter that create like. If you're not doing it to reverse engineer that result, either way, the thing that you're doing is refining the network of people consuming your work. If you post something that you believe is true that you want to share and it, a thousand people decide to not subscribe to the feed of content that you publish anymore, great, perfect. Just honed it more. Yeah. And after a certain point, it, you, you just get to not even necessarily a... um a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a plateau, but a rotation of stuff. Like my, the stuff I talk about now and the stuff that I put out there now, I know there's a, probably a hundred thousand people that follow my Twitter account and look and it's like, what the, f what is this guy doing? You know, that subscribe back two years ago when it was like, hey guys, you know, visualized like value. This, it's visualized yeah. value stuff. Yeah. 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 A very different and a very, like a much more strategic approach to this stuff where I was like, following a bit of a playbook, trying to like build a routine around it. And now I don't have that same constraint. That was helpful for to me back then. And it was kind of a, uh, like a reassuring and, uh, you know, there's some like predictability to that, that is comforting where you go back, like make the visual every day in this style and put it out, write something about it, do the same again tomorrow. And I think there's like incredible amount of merit to having a system like that. But for me, you get to a stage where it just ceases to be as interesting or creatively rewarding. So you depart from that. Um, I also was going to say, like, I don't actually like the language value capture around this because mm. it actually implies something positive in my mind. Like, mm. and in the context of, of, I think if you actually go, like, Hasn't that? I guess the is find us something else. Like no, yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. different. There, there's value. There's audience capture. There's algorithmic capture, and uh, Jack. Just one thing I want to say though is uh, before you you went on why you hate the or dislike the term value capture. What I like about what you said though is, uh, or how I perceived it is, you actually fought back against value capture in my eyes. Is like if you only cared about number go up follower account. You would have just been doing well, it evolved over that, time naturally. Yeah, right? whereas yeah, like, just what you did actually was you broke in my eyes, it's like you stopped caring about that. You stopped caring start caring more about what mattered to Jack Butcher, which is literally what the, the paper is saying is like you should avoid the power like remember the gamification of it, this the the jackpot like Twitter is an addiction machine. We're still addicted to it, right? And it's like it's asking you to do certain behaviors which will get engagement for the platform. And in my eyes, you by narrowing your audience set, you've actually done yourself a favor where you are no longer reliant on that as this the main signal in your life. Uh, whereas like admittedly myself for a very long time maybe 80% of my Twitter journey, it's just been followers, followers, engagement, engagement, and not, and, and often uh, sacrificing what I truly cared about 
And but now I literally will just post whatever I care about, right? Mm-hmm. And that I think that's a place that's very difficult for a lot of people to get to. And yeah, to your point, audience capture is the other term. That's I think I think there is a nuance here, in that the value capture is applicable probably more broadly. And sorry, Trunk, the the word value capture is probably saying the value capture is here from the platform. Oh, yeah. that, Mm-hmm. That's it's the angle from them, but I I agree with what you're saying. The word value capture normally it sounds like a positive thing, but it's wanna, not for wanna, us necessarily. It's for I want to confirm it. Yeah, creating the value capture. Uh, it's not a monetary. Actually, that's the thing I, I should tease out. This the values obviously have many things, right? Values is your ethics versus value financial. C Team Win is talking about your ethical value set, what you value in life, what's important to you, what's not important, not necessarily the financial element. I don't know if that changes, Jack, what your, what your perception was. I think uh, the word no, value- I, I mean, I get, I get that. I just, I have a personal affinity for the word value and yeah, I, I think of it as a positive value. term, right? But I think, but, can I just read the like, definition, Jack, really quick, just to add to your things, just to one yeah. line, sorry, because I think it'll add, the value capture is the process of retaining some percentage of the value provided in every transaction. The only reason I'm saying that, because I think it is a positive thing based on what you're saying as well. Right. And you, like, I agree with what you're saying. The ca- the platform or the brand or something is like capturing some of your resources by getting you to redo that thing over and over and over again. So perhaps it is the right language. I guess the the other idea that comes to my mind is Charlie Munger, RIP, show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome, right? That idea of, incentive manipulation or there's a a way in which i think you could get this idea out more broadly if it wasn't coined that way like if you implied some of the downside in the way you frame the idea uh and maybe that's just my bias too because i'm so in the weeds on that like if you're looking at it from the perspective of the consumer maybe you do see it as a, a negative thing uh i was gonna say one other thing but i think i forgot um yeah I did. Sorry, that might be my no mistake. Worries, no worries. But, no, 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 but no. I think you made a good, really good point there. But no, I do think the language is an interesting one because the reason I brought that definition was because it said the transaction. So it is really about the transaction of, in this scenario, you posting on Twitter and the Twitter as a platform, Fitbit, me using a Fitbit versus the creator of Fitbit. And the other nuance I wanted to share was for you two specifically, is when we talk about social media, it's generally people are talking about as consumers most of the time. But you guys specifically, you, there's a difference between the incentives for a creator on Twitter and someone like me who's mostly just reading, right? So, yeah. and, the, and the kind of, and social media as a whole of the incentive on there around like, why am I even going on there? Because I'm going to get like a, a little dopamine hit of... Um, you know, like something funny, some, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, a fight video, which might not be something I'm looking for, but shows up or, a, <laughs> you know, cool like fights. attractive people showing up on the feed. And so we, I was going to bring that up after we can get to that in a second about kind of algorithmic feed versus the curated feed. But I wanted to give you guys more if you want to well, chat just, more about as creators on there. I just remember what I was going to say, like the. The difference is. And the, the, why it can lead you down a, like the audience capture thing is a perfect example of this, where the maximum amount of engagement is going to come from confirming a bias that already exists, right? Which as a creator in, in, you know, quotation marks here, you're not creating anything by doing that. You're just playing to 
capturing this bias that exists, yeah. you are not practicing value investing in your creative activities, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? You're <laughs> day trading attention or whatever, yeah. you know, like I know this is going to get a reaction. I'm going to say it. And the like ironic thing about all of this is like to be contrarian, to have your ideas gain value over time, they have to be underappreciated when they are launched, right? This idea of the the significance of an idea gaining importance over time versus losing it. And that, I think it, those are the two ends of the spectrum. Uh, this joke is funny today because this happened, but over time it just dissipates versus here's this observation I have that if I'm right, the next 10 years will prove it to be true. Right? And there's countless numbers of incredible writers and creators that operate from that perspective where you're take making an observation that nobody else has made or very few people have made and articulating it in a new way, which can lead you to some of that initial engagement, but things of value, like these ephemeral observations that are valuable, that increase in value over time, like 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 a Paul Graham essay or something like that, right? Where at time it's like, at the time you read it, you're like, oh, it's great. And then you read it ten years later, and you're like, oh man, this guy really knew what he was talking about because yeah, like, yeah, all yeah. of these things Ahead have been time. confirmed. Wait, yeah. Jack, you want yeah. me to get super meta? Because uh, what you just said, I was going to bring up an excerpt from a Paul Graham essay. He literally said what you said. Just bring it. Just doubles down on your point. This is what. Uh, Paul Graham wrote about, and for the listeners, uh, what I'm referencing is Jack's idea that what may be a value in the moment, the market will not understand it. People will not understand it. This is what Paul Graham wrote about the best startup ideas. And his whole point is, at that moment, they sound idiotic. This is what he wrote. He goes, the best startup ideas seem at first like bad ideas. I've written about this before. If a good idea were obviously good, someone else would have already done it. So the most successful founders tend to work on ideas that few besides them realize are good, which is not that far from a description of insanity until you've reached the point where you see the results. I mean, Jack, Jack is on the same way. Jack was literally describing, and then he brings up Paul Graham, and in an essay, Paul Graham had just literally written what Jack was describing. I, I love this uh, circulatoriness of it. Well, what are, you guys did we, have the word. Hey, did we did we bring up that F one thing last week? I think we yeah, did. Yeah, the, the engine. Yeah, like things reach their point of absolute maximum performance right before they become obsolete. Just like that again is a completely contrarian, inverted way to look at the world but uh well similar like when when elon went on similarly with dogecoin take another field investing the maximum saturation of that meme was when elon went on snl right like 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 the joke with sbf and uh alameda was they said that they're like this special investing thing but one of their investors wrote a blog post. He's like, yeah, I saw Elon go on SNL. I knew that that was a top for Doge. Right. Like that was like, that right. was like the extent of their, I mean, they were right, yeah, but that yeah. was the extent of their analysis, right? So, um, dude, I I don't know. I for the, I, I hope the listeners are still with us. Here, so I think we've hit on some no, pretty interesting, interesting things. Interesting we're just like, I think it impacts us all as well. That's the why it's interesting, but. And uh, a lot of cooking going on here. Uh, I had a couple more thoughts on it, but I'd love for you guys to finish off any of the thoughts you guys had. Yeah, I had some stuff to ask you, but Jack, any, anything else you want to share before I ask that? No, you go. Yeah, great. No, that was really good discussion on that. So Trung, in your 
um, in your write-up, you kind of talked about it there, but you mentioned how your Twitter X usage is a perfect example of this and how you've had to kind of get be go beyond that. So just a few to call it out. You said always searching for content. We joke about that in the group chat all the time. Like one, one of us two, me or Jack, will share something in trucks. Like, can I steal this for the, for the <laughs> meme or whatever? And it's like, and the second one, I was looking for a meme. The next one was the itch. If you go days without posting a banger or in the ballpark of 5,000 likes, you start to stress out. And it's very honest of you to say this because it does... It's not something a lot of people want to admit. Which no, but is, I really want to demonstrate how it's like truly like uh, yeah. uh, uh, capturing my mind. and Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Fucking with Completely. how I think, right? Yeah, and then the last couple argumentative. It can make you more argumentative. Time allocation, using up basically too much time on it. And then the last one, slot machine effect. Uh, basically every post you get in this 10 to 15 minute fog as you watch the early engagement come in. Did you guys right? ever so, had that? I, Bilal, when you're posting, you know, like oh, you're yeah. looking... For that first five, like, how's it doing? How's it doing, right? That yeah, feeling? yeah, definitely, hundred uh, percent. And and so um, and I, it kind of comes back to like the idea of like when you're writing stuff on there, because for all of us, it's been partly our work, right? Like for for you two specifically, it is like Trung has a newsletter and an AI company that he's promoting on there and weaving in. You're also a journalist, writer, lowercase J. Jack lowercase. has built stuff on the internet and he's built his whole thing on the internet, so. You need that. I, when I was using it a lot, I was using Twitter mainly for basically to get more people to listen to my podcast. That was the primary use of it. And once I got in there, I was like, oh, it's actually fun. I get to meet people, talk, whatever. But you probably know it's for the last several years, I haven't really been writing anything. And even if you come onto my Instagram feed, I haven't posted a picture for like four years or something. And so once in a while, I'll post a story, but that's been what like kind of a conscious thing but i'm not like against it i probably will at some point but it was over time you know to be very frank like this podcast was a part of that in a positive way like my conclusion was why am i doing all this in the first place right i i like podcasts because we get to have nuanced discussions like this in long form and that is the part of media that i want to spend my time creating because i care about that and there's lots of other people in the world who are better at me than writing thread boy threads or creating memes like Trung does or creating visuals like Jack does. And I, I'm like, appreciate all those things, but that's not necessarily what I want to play in. So a big part of this is like, what game are you choosing to play, right? Like, And for me, that has always been the thing where I said, all right, now I'm working with you two guys. You guys share it on your Twitter. I share it as well, but I'm not going to spend all day trying to gain a twitter following in air quotes so i can promote the thing that i actually really care about uh, i'm going to spend that time doing other things that actually add value to my life um that's one but the second part is actually as a consumer that is something i've actually changed my mind on quite a lot in the last few months uh, you, we talked about the, the cocaine phone versus kale phone and i don't know how long this will last but i've actually deleted the apps off my phone now like even my primary app which I know lots of people do, but for me, it's actually quite a big thing. Like Instagram, TikTok are now both off there. I will probably add them at some point, but I wanted to give myself an extended break where I was noticing, like, for example, I went to watch a film on the weekend and I was like, damn, my attention span is just not like it used to be, right? Like we all probably have suffered from that. And I was like, man, as much as I like going on TikTok and I enjoy, I actually think my TikTok feed is fairly positive. Like I don't get a bunch of crap anymore. Still, it's that quick like quick refresh 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 and um specifically it's the for you page thing it's like me not choosing to watch something is the, what i'm struggling with 
or I don't want to say struggling with, but it's what I'm kind of going against there. So even on Twitter, since they've changed to the For You page style stuff, like I mentioned before, like everyone, if someone shouts fight, fight, fight in the school playground, everyone runs over. That's a natural human way of reacting. If someone is very attractive, if a model shows up on your feed and they're dancing, yeah, you're going to naturally look at it because you're a human, right? And so my thing has been, I don't want to follow any of those things. And that was my way of curating what I consume the same way I curate what I read and the news I take in. But now because all the social media platforms are incentivized just to keep you on there, that their incentives are not aligned with mine anymore. So I need to give that a temporary break. You don't essentially. want value capture, algorithmic capture. capture. Exactly, exactly. Let so me that, throw that was the only thing. There. Yeah, go for it. Just based on what you said, Blah, is uh, there's, there's an element here. Actually, you sent this chart a couple of weeks ago. We never talked about it. You guys remember that chart about like student test scores? Everything's down since basically the, the smartphone came out, right? And uh, something that uh, I haven't fully formed the thought on this, but there's something I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, it's called, I'm calling it the feedback crisis. And what I mean by that is uh, we've always had the obesity crisis, right? 40, 40, 50% of North America, we've talked about recent episodes or the world will be over, overweight or obese in the next decade. And Bilal is talking about how the podcast platform is much more fulfilling to him than getting like the quick hits on uh, maybe Twitter or, or Instagram. And that's why he hasn't posted in a while. But I think I'm realizing, or I think I've realized, might be contributing to this, and is feedback people aren't good at taking feedback in the sense of yeah. how much feedback are you supposed to get, right? Like think about 100 years ago. How much feedback were you getting? You're maybe getting somebody told you something at the end of the day, uh, for your work day, or maybe your parent would tell you something after you had worked on a little project for weeks on end. So you might be getting quote unquote feedback once or twice a week, right? But now literally anything you post, you send a message to somebody, you post something on Instagram, uh, um, you make any type of comment on the internet, feedback comes instantaneously. You're getting dozens hits of hits of feedback a day, right? And I think I don't know if you guys are seeing where I'm going with this, but like, because when you're about to get feedback, think about the worst feedback you ever got. You had a, 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 an employee review, or your employer reviewed you, your boss. You're bracing for them to criticize you, right? But now people are doing that dozens of times a day. Anything you put out, because of how many trolls there are on the internet, yeah, that's a good you're point. bracing for hearing something negative. E even if that's not the intention, you put anything else, you're bracing for it, right? I mean, we've all posted online. 99% of the stuff is positive. You remember 1% that's bad. So if Jack is posting you put it in the, a day, in the vault like Goggins You put does. it in the vault, right? You literally <laughs> put it in the vault. And you're like, that's yeah. my pre-workout. But what yeah. I'm saying is like, I think just the same way that the obesity crisis has happened because we're being fed sh uh, uh, a factory sugar that our body was never meant to process. I think getting, we talk about the media diet, this is kind of related, but it's like, man, we're not supposed to get feedback 20 times a day. Humans are not meant for that. We were not yeah. evolutionary designed to get that feedback because we care so much what other people think for social community reasons. And if you get rejected and ostracized, that actually like psychologically hurts you, right? So it's like you're putting out 20 pieces of content a day. You're not supposed to. It's like the easy access to calories. I don't know if any of that makes sense for you guys. I'd love no, for that you guys does. to. Well, you're also in the 1% of people putting this shit out 20 times a day too. So we we have a... We have a... We're like obese in this sense, right? We've got right. way too much access to this yeah, feeling. Yeah, yeah. 
That's a great point. We need an Ozempic for the mind. <laughs> that comes through Neuralink. So it all, uh, it all comes full together, comes together. Or just put your phone down, man, like that meme. Well, it's yeah, like meditation. Touch grass. Yeah. Touch grass. Well, there you go. Well, Jack nailed it, right? Well, let, while we finish hard, this section off work, with Luke Burgess, uh, author wanting, friend of the pod, thick desires versus thin desires. That's how he, he did it, right? He's like, what are thick desires? It's things that, it's hobbies and things that you engage in where you feel good afterwards. Like, if you sit That's down, a nice, easy filter there, yeah. right? Like, it sounds you know, it obvious, like, but... No, no, but that's, it sounds obvious, but it actually... It's hard to implement. Is, it's not, right? It's like yeah. sitting down for an hour to read a book, you won't feel bad afterwards. You will feel great. Going for a 60-minute run, you might hate it while you do it. You feel great afterwards. It's much easier just to turn on your phone and scroll through a feed, but you will feel like ass afterwards. I mean, that's yeah. his point, right? It's that's like, a great way to put it, yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, I, I think we hit on a lot of things. I was here. just going to add the last things from your post, and I kind of had thoughts on basically kind of where, do, where does it leave everyone? And so... I, we could add a whole discussion around like whose responsibility is this i had a note here for myself versus like the social media platforms being policed and fitbit being policed etc my personal take on that you probably agree with is like there's individual responsibility here as well like we at least if you listen to this pod you're aware of these ideas and it is up to us to create those boundaries um and then i think you actually gave some really good kind of advice in there basically um from andy grove right so andy grove Famous guy. Was he IBM guy, right? Third uh, CEO Intel. Legendary. Looked Legendary. Up has a great book. If, if yeah. anyone manages anyone, you should read his book. Is it higher output management or something? Uh, really helpful. And so I had actually written this stuff out before I even read that part. Uh, reread it today because I kind of forgot about it. But the two kind of things here are guarding against overreacting and pairing indicators. And so that was my original point here was data on its own is not bad. Like metrics on their own are not bad. It's all about the interpretation and the relationship you have with them. And I even just in the business world, like I, I my version of that, he used pairing indicators. I use like secondary metrics. So like when I've done mm -hmm. any marketing stuff or business stuff with teams, I will say like, you know, you do OKRs, right? Like objective key results. You know, like we want to grow from 1 million to 2 million in revenue. We want to reach this many customers, etc. But and normally what happens is back to the incentive thing. It's like if you give an incentive to my sales team, I say, hey, you need to go and hit this quota. If you don't, you're not getting your budget. You're not getting your um, bonus. That becomes their sole mission is to hit that number. That's the incentive. And what I learned over time, it sounds obvious, is you really need those secondary metrics because what would happen in those scenarios is people would find ways to hack the system, right? Like Google, it happened Cobra all the time. Effects. Cobra effect, exactly. Yeah, uh, J J uh, Trung wrote about that in the pod as well. But literally at Google, we were talking about this recently with the sales guys. People would, we at one point they were measuring, they would send a spreadsheet out for the whole of EMEA in, in my Dublin office and you would get a list of every single sales rep, all of our names, and it would have number of calls number of minutes you spent on the phone it was ridiculous right like and it literally weird and then you're at 22 like hungry you're like oh i'm gonna meet but meet my german yeah, friend Jens in that. Yeah. i'm gonna so, be on this phone for 75 well it's a joke with our boy hunter yeah. uh hunter cold calls uh, oh, uh charlie yeah, yeah. rich charlie rich does that account but, but man just, his one of the deloitte one year contract was incredible too. <laughs> oh my god oh that was good but all, yeah. all jokes aside literally you know this is not um you could work this out but what people started doing is they were calling their cell phone on their in their pocket right and they're calling random people they're doing stupid stuff like that 
And that was the same Charlie Munger, show me the incentive, show you the outcome yeah, yeah. or whatever. And so in this case, I think applying it back to ourselves, it's like, what is, if you're using a Fitbit, if you're using Aura Ring, like use it, but you need to have a good relationship with what, and be intentional about why you're looking at this Fitbit step count, right? Like, mm -hmm. And so that secondary metric for me is, is this actually contributing to like my overall health? And if I skip it once in a while, that's completely fine. In fact, I might even encourage that for myself. Like on Saturday, I literally didn't leave the house and I needed to be a vegetable all day, Uber right? Eats, and that, bro. Did you exactly, hit that Uber Eats? Uh, twice, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, but it's like one of those things where over time you create those things that actually serve you, not serve the algorithm or serve the creator of the jumping app. on your point jack did mention a pairing indicator as he was growing his twitter audience he's like he saw the the, the non-correlation yeah. between his business results and the audience right and again the audience is what the platform wants from you the business results is very they, twitter does not care about your business results right um well they will be when it's everything app but uh, uh twitter x but i thought when you were talking about the parent indicators, that was great because Jack did bring that up previously. And what I, the, what I will add about Andy Grove is the example he specifically brought up was inventory levels, which I think a lot of our listeners, they work in DTC, they, they work in kind of physical manufacturing, they do understand that aspect. He's basically saying, if your goal is inventory levels, which is what Andy Grove broke up, uh, brought up, he's like, you're going to be laser focused on that thing. And it's going to cost you in other areas because if, if your whole point is you want to keep inventories low, then you can't actually react to the supply and demand properly. And he's like, that's why he said what Bilal brought up, pairing indicator. What is the second indicator to keeping inventory levels low? Maybe it's a turn of the inventories, right? And then the other thing is like, you can't, you cannot overreact to it, which are actually great. These are actually, you're right. These are great uh, um, countermeasures, even just for a regular person trying to use like Twitter. Yeah, apps, just right? regular life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, great. Well, all right, should we wrap that up? Um, I mean, boys, we got a few minutes. If you want to just touch on, I don't know if we're going to touch on Apple App Store. If you want to speak about that, we can. Well, but maybe let, let, we just do the Netflix WWE slash um, Super Bowl. Well, Jack had a little thing here, so well, let's get let's get the Jack. Uh, let's get the Jack. Maybe picture, we just wrap uh, that. Yeah, Jack. Hey, boys, you attribute you're attributing it to me, but I read it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. I'm just reporting here. I'm a journalist. Is, I'm not. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, Jack. We're not calling. We're we're saying that uh, you're you got the special feed sometimes. I know you yeah. got multiple tabs. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is not Jack's. This is not Jack's. By the way, people. And I'll just I'm say, really, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. No, no, go for it, go for it. I was gonna say, I'm surprised you boys haven't seen this on your feeds here. Maybe this yeah, is the tenfold hat segment of the pod so we anything goes anything anything's allowed here no judgment zone oh you want me teeing it up Tee yeah it up. Go on. we've seen both sides of the uh political spectrum comment on the potentiality of taylor swift swaying certain currents of american culture shall we say <laughs> so one side i've seen has said Taylor Swift, uh, you know, what they called the, uh, what's the team? The, her the Chiefs, uh, fellow players called the Chiefs. Chiefs. Oh, sorry, I yeah. thought you were saying. No, the yeah, Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Yeah. The Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Matey proposes after the Super Bowl. They get married. They have a baby. It reawakens an era of American dynamism. The birth rates <laughs> soar. S&P hits 9,000. 
CCP collapses. CCP collapses. That was another <laughs> part of that tweet. And then the other side of it, you have, well, I don't even know if this is the other side. This is another take on it is um, 20% of American voters will act upon Taylor Swift's endorsement for any political candidate at this point in time. So putting her in that position, like the degree of screen time and influence that has been amassing in the last six to 12 months, I would imagine has changed that percentage significantly. So I don't even know if you can call this a conspiracy theory. It's just the elevation of a single voice as a massive influence on politics, culture, all of these things. The one thing I would be curious about, and Trung, maybe you have some of this information, is like up to what age are people obsessed with Taylor Swift? That's mm. I, I like where you're going with this. Okay, let's we're teasing this out now because we're adding this segment to the bullet points when we talk about the episode. So Jack, you brought up a great point. So somebody, there is a there is and a recent example actually. It is believed that Oprah Winfrey swung an X percentage of the go. election for Barack Obama. Go. And uh, they're both from Chicago. Um, I think, I believe specifically in Democratic primaries against Hillary Clinton, that, uh, that Oprah Winfrey's, uh, uh, you know, seal of approval for Barack Obama swung that. So that's important. So there has been a historical precedent, recent historical precedent. Now what I'll say about uh, I think you're right. The other thing I'll address is this is not even a conspiracy theory. She, God, she's the most famous person in the world, if we're being mm -hmm. honest at this point. Mm -hmm. She's top five most famous person in the world uh, today. And uh, she has famously not been super political. And people have asked her to try to get more political and be more politically involved. People are reading Republicans into Republicans buy Jordans too, no? Yeah. That's probably yeah. Republicans oh, buy Jordans. Yes, yeah. that's a great quote. Republicans buy Jordans. She's a business yeah. person, right? And um, I, I actually did see some of those. I saw the uh, I saw that uh, people are mad that the NFL is in cahoots with Taylor Swift because apparently she's been worth $500 million to the NFL. The NFL is the biggest media organization in the world. We've talked about this. They make 20 yeah. billion a year. And that's just how big Taylor is. She moves a needle for the NFL. You know what I mean? And they've clearly embraced her. And the, the running joke, people get, a lot of people are getting sick of it in their minds. They're like, why is the cameras on Taylor, right? And um, they think that, <laughs> the other conspiracy is that the Biden is like calling up Goodell from the NFL and being like, <laughs> make sure the Chiefs get to the Super Bowl, right? Like this, this so whole thing. Funny. And then the yeah. and then she'll swing the vote as she's super saturated. And I'll uh, say, Trump, I haven't been watching the actual games yet. I will watch Super Bowl, but how much? How often are they? Is it like every play? Like how? I often mean, is the it? first few weeks was it was like all Insane. the time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, and now it's just like, I mean, she's as big as the, she's as big as the, the NFL. That's and also that the last week or whatever, that other guy, the the guy, I forgot his name, uh, he's shirtless guy with a beard. He's oh, down his in his brother. His, his brother, right? Yeah. So Travis, that was incredible people, too. For people who know Travis, from a media standpoint, Travis and Jason, they have one of the biggest podcasts, sports podcasts in the world. Uh, in the, I think it's called In the Heights. I don't listen to it, but I know they're massive. And obviously a big part of it was Travis ended up, even before him dating uh, Taylor Swift, they're quite big. And then- um, I mean, come the, on, that's that's ammunition for the conspiracy, right? The biggest yeah, exactly. media platform in like pre-existing before mm. this shit. 
No, but ah. imagine. Well, here, let, let's. You know what? Let's put ourselves in the dark room. You, Bilal, me, and Jack all have cigars in our mouths, and we work for NFL. <laughs> We're thinking, how can here? No, here's our mission. Let's put a metric. The most viewed event in U.S. history is the Apollo landing, 125 million to 150 million. That's about 60 percent of the population at the time. Yeah. But 22 of the top 30 television events are all Super Bowls. And then the second one is last year's Super Bowl. So 112 million. So imagine in your head, you're like, how do we top 125 million? How do we top the moon landing? This is going to crush it. Yeah. 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 No, but I mean, like, what else are you going to do? Like Jack, Jack's like, he's got the tinfoil hat on. Six months ago, what are you going to do? 125 million is like, so you're, what's, is there anything else in the top 10 that's not sports or? Number 10 is, well, you guys will laugh. Number 10 is, uh, so the only other one in the top 10 was Richard Nixon's resignation speech. Mm. So a news event. So, but then people well, they, will be like, also it. in a time where there were like five TV channels, right? So it's yeah. a very different. Well, here, here's, here's the, uh, here's the criticism. I put this stat up and people are like, yeah, Trump, what was the population in the United States in 1969? You're right. It was 200 million. So now it's 305 million. But to Bilal's point, there's a lot more distractions. A lot more fragmentation. Right? So like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm saying, what is, what is the, the trade-off In real here? terms, like is inflation adjusted. Yeah, you know what I mean? it's 125 million. Still pretty impressive in this totally Very fractured impressive. landscape, right? So you, the so, prediction here is that this is going to blow that out. My prediction is this. I don't even think it's a big prediction. It's people. What what's happening in two weeks? You got Usher doing the halftime show. The legend, the R and B legend. Uh, for people who don't know, Usher has a massive <laughs> Jack's residency. Face. Like Usher, Usher saying, a couple times. I'm, say, I'm saying I don't know if he uh, like. He's not the one moving the I want Taylor Swift doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, could you imagine that? That would interest. be insane. Well, yeah. yeah. She's, well, well, they're getting biased to both worlds this no, way. But, you know? By the way, well, I Jack, love Russia. Let that be on the record, you know? Yeah. Well, Jack Atlanta, you Usher. have an Atlanta I don't mean collection. To, uh, right? blow up your spot there, but. Well, well Jack, let, let me put it out living. this way. To your point, though, if we're being fully honest, T- Taylor Swift is weird. If you're Usher, you're probably pissed off that Taylor Swift is going to show up. Like, you're, that's, listen to me. That's true. It's kind of hijacking a bit. She totally overshadowed by Taylor Swift. I bet he's going to bring the heat now extra though, because yeah. he knows he needs to bring it. Well, here's and he's an point. incredible performer as well. So I'm sure it's going to be killer. I heard this thing, boys. This is, you know, this is the level to which Taylor Swift has become ubiquitous. I am now aware of, she is playing a tour day in Japan the day before the Super Bowl. Oh that, yeah. Right? Did you, I saw this. There was a whole People breakdown are running of the math. video. They're running the math. She's got to hit that private get- plane. I think she'll well, make I mean, it. She's already on the private plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's on the private plane either way. She's but, already got uh, yeah. like she's the not F-6. on Delta. You know what I mean? She's got yeah. the F sixteen like uh, escorts making sure that there's no. No, no. She, I, I saw this. There was an amazing viral video before I deleted TikTok off my phone. There was a, a great um, viral video of like this guy, like with his girlfriend or like wife and her sisters, and they've got like clipboards. He's got a clipboard, and they're writing notes to be. To be like, all right, let's do the maths there. And it is really oh. funny. But um, I think she's going to make it back, obviously. Obviously, she's going to be there. But it's pretty intense. Like, can you imagine you're doing three, four shows in a row in Tokyo and then you're flying to be one of that's the main why, faces? That's why you're the GOAT. That's, that's why, why she is. Mm-hmm. And that's, hey, goat, listen, when President Biden asks you for a favor, you do. <laughs> there we go. There we go. When President Biden is calling you to do service for the country. Yo, if Biden actually did this, that's a that's an incredible move, to be fair. 
Yeah. Well, that was a running yeah. joke about, I don't know if you saw John Stewart's coming back to host a daily show every Monday through the 2024 election. And the running joke on Twitter was he got the call. Biden made that call. <laughs> he got the call from I mean, Biden. That stuff makes a big impact than anything else. There'll be any of their own speeches, to be honest, you know, so. Uh, all right, boys, I feel we could call it there in full yeah, transparency. A- Arsenal game starts in 14 minutes, so yeah. I need to process <laughs> this, send it to Rafa and uh, get the game going. But that no, was this great, was a great guys. discussion. I will say for people who wanted us to talk about Netflix, WWE, Apple, App Store, we didn't get to it. But anyway, that there's there's not that much there anyway. So I think we had a good meaty discussion there. Yeah. Appreciate your support and we'll see you guys next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Peace.